You know, joy, this little word joy, it's not a, not a word we use too often, I don't think, in, in everyday language. Um, not, not that I hear anyway. We, we often talk about happiness and we are happy. That, that's often spoken about. We use that word a lot. Uh, it's actually the opposite in, in Scripture. So in, in Scripture we don't actually see the word happy often, maybe about 10 or 12 times. But the word joy is used about 430 times. To be happy is to is a feeling, an emotion that is due to circumstances. Let's get that next slide, please, neighbour. Yeah. Happy is when your team wins. Happy is uh, is when the kids find out that there's dessert. Not so happy when they realise it's just a peeled apple. <clears throat> Happiness is to have a holiday planned and your air flights booked and accommodation booked and in three months' time you're going to be going away on. You can get through each week because happiness is coming, you know, in the form of a holiday. Oh, but that feeling, that gut-wrenching feeling on a Sunday night after your six weeks of annual leave is up and you've travelled back home and work is tomorrow. School is back. Oh, and you've got to get your uniform ready, see on. You won't be smiling on January the 30th, mate, when you... <clears throat> but joy, joy is experience. Not because of circumstances, but genuine joy is experienced through faith in Jesus. Through a relationship with God. Joy doesn't, shouldn't come and go when circumstances change. In fact, joy, as we heard just a couple of weeks ago, or it might have been, no, last week it was uh, with the kids' church and we talked about kids' club, they've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And you won't find happiness in the fruit of the Spirit, but there is joy. And it tells us that God is the source of joy. God is the source of joy. Nehemiah in chapter 8, in verse 10, in this time, the prophet Nehemiah has given the people of Israel who have been rebelling against God and he's laid out to them the law. And there's been a real conviction in their heart that we have been disobedient, we have failed God. We have been in sin and we've been rebelling against the God of Israel. And they are living in guilt and grief and shame. And Nehemiah says, look, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some of that to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy. Do not grieve. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. I was reading this week and came across this, this quote that our knowledge, our awareness of our own sin should never be greater than our awareness and knowledge and understanding of Jesus as our Saviour. If we are limited on our understanding of of Jesus as our Saviour and the, the compassion and the grace and the forgiveness that we have in Christ, we find that our overwhelming understanding and knowledge and awareness of our sin, it just becomes so much. And we get stuck in guilt and shame and embarrassment and we miss out on the joy. Oh, it's been three or four days now and I've done this every day. I've failed miserably. Oh, I'm 50 years old and for the last month I have not spent time with God. I've been so selfish. I've been living a lie for years and years and it just seems like I cannot be of any use to God. All sorts of circumstances can put us in a place where we get stuck in our thoughts on an understanding of how bad we are, of where we are in sin and knowing our failings and our, we haven't completely grasped and understood the nature of the love and forgiveness of who we are in Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 7, the Apostle Paul Oh, I struggle with sin. The things that I don't want to do, I I keep on doing it. I know what I ought to do, but I'm not doing it. And I keep on doing the things that I shouldn't do. What a wretched person I am. And if he had just left it there, you'd be thinking, wow, the Apostle Paul is lost. He's, He's in despair. He is so deep in his wallowing in shame and embarrassment and sin. But he doesn't leave it there, does does he? No, he has a terrific understanding of the grace and the forgiveness, the identity we are in Christ. What a wretched man I am. But thanks be to God. He has rescued me through Jesus. He wants to restore you so that you live with the joy of what is to come. To live with joy of what is to come in this life, the plan and the purpose that God has for us to honour him, to trust him, to obey him, in our everyday life and the joy that comes in the hope and the certainty of eternity in heaven. 
We are great sinners, I read. We are great sinners, but he is a greater saviour. A long time ago, I, I received some advice in a, in a dark time for me from someone who um, I deeply love and respect. And, and that was, you know, Josh, the, the recognition of sin in your life, to recognise and acknowledge and have a desire to do something about it is actually a genuine sign of the work of God in your heart. It's a genuine sign that the Holy Spirit is evident in your life. And it might be hard right now. And it might not be a happy time. But there is a joy in experiencing forgiveness. There is a joy that comes with being restored by God. To be used by God. There is a wonderful joy to live with the knowledge that eternity in the presence of our Saviour is sin-free. It's pain-free. The prophet says, do not grieve. Stop the sadness. Wipe away the guilt and the shame and live with the joy of the Lord. Live with the joy for who he is, for who you are as his people. You know, later in life, Paul writes to the Philippian church and he writes from jail. You wouldn't think he'd be too happy in that circumstance. But he writes to them and says about the joy that is in his heart about the gospel being preached in that place. Joy, not about the circumstances. James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 1 Peter 1 says we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because of the salvation of our souls. Romans 15:13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the source of our joy, not circumstances. God is the source, fruit of the Spirit. So that in any circumstances, whether we're happy or whether there is sadness, whatever the circumstances, there can be joy. Joy that God has a purpose. God has a purpose in this dark space. God has a wonderful purpose in this time of, time of, uh, you know, excitement and planning and uh, a wonderful purpose in, in moments in our life that we can just celebrate good things. Whatever the circumstances, we can have joy in the, 
in, in the fact that God is in control, that he has a plan. And when all circumstances are gone and done, our hope, our future is in the presence of our Saviour. We don't really like to hear about um, circumstances of people being sick um, and, and illness and but recently, you know, I've been really encouraged. Uh, there's a number of people that you would probably all be aware of who are getting older and are facing their last few days, maybe weeks or a month or two. And this physical temporary life is coming to an end. And understandably, that can bring about so many emotions. And But there have been things said that I've heard from others that are just so encouraging. That people are drawing on the joy they have as a believer. People are looking forward to what is to come. that anxiety and worry can be dealt with because of a genuine relationship with God. And eternity in the presence of their Saviour is ever so real and can be any moment now. And it's spoken about with joy. It's a real special thing. So I think we've established here that joy just isn't a, isn't a Christmas feeling or a seasonal word. But it won't be about circumstances. I want to, us to consider that joy will depend on what you seek, on where you look and what you give. What you seek, where you look, and what you give. And in a moment, just going to look at those three questions from the story of the, the Magi. You know, we often get so um, hyped up around Christmas, expectations and what Christmas should look like, what it's always looked like, and it's got to be as good and better, if not better, this year and next year. And And that can lead to disappointment because sometimes it's not as good. I remember being in primary school and uh, very young, but this, there was another kid in my class. He was so excited about sports day. Sports day was like the greatest day of school. This kid got so excited that up to the time of uh, when it came time to do the running and all the stuff at school and get your little ribbons and all that stuff, he was vomiting off to the side because he couldn't control his emotions. And this poor little kid was vomiting and, and, and his parents were there and he actually took no part. He actually took no part in the... You know, we often set our expectations so high for things that we end up disappointed 
sometimes people recommend a movie or, a, you know, or a, a restaurant, or oh, the food is incredible. <clears throat> the movie is amazing, and all these sort of superlatives are used, you know, and you get half the plot before you go and see it, or know the menu before you even go there and, and have a look at it, and. And sometimes our expectations get so high that we, we walk out of a place uh, and think, oh, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> so I thought, what can we do this Christmas? What can we do this Christmas to maybe lower the expectation? Maybe to avoid disappointment? How can we experience the joy? Not seeking just the happiness. But how do we seek and experience the joy of Christ? You see, the joy we experience and live with today and this Christmas and and beyond in 2023, as I said before, I think is directly related to what you look for, where you're looking and what you will give. I wonder what um, what makes your Christmas so satisfying. We uh, had a wonderful experience about five, six years, maybe five years ago, four years ago. Uh, we, we, with Stuart and Carolyn and Luke and our family, um, started making a habit of... Uh, ritual of going to the carols by candlelight. Um, 2008 was our first one as a family. Um, Mackenzie was just there because uh, that was the night we told Stu and Carolyn that Rachel was pregnant with Mackenzie in 2008 at the Christmas carols. So about seven or eight years later, we'd been going every year. They were great. They had their down moments. I mean, Carolyn will tell you, she and Rachel would every year line up in the sun for hours and hours so we would just be able to rock up and sit down in the grass. But this one year, we won VIP tickets to the tent at the back. If you've ever seen it, they have like these two tents. Four spaces, I believe. Ten people in each one. One guy paid something like $20,000 through 3AW to, to have his... We were the cheap one. We got it for free. And we were in the shade. It was a hot day. And I know what those hot ones are like. You've got to find your seat. You're sort of there for two or three hours before, sweating, waiting for the thing to start. We had fans. We were in the shade. We had waitresses. We had food. We had drinks, space. And people walking past. Look at that. Look at that. <clears throat> We haven't been able to go back to the carols um, since that year. I think we've been back once. Because our expectation has gone through the roof of what our carols experience needs to be like. All the family together and happy. Isn't that a wonderful Christmas feeling? Maybe that, you know, it's that warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you try to define and describe the holiday spirit. When work's off, the sun's out, Christmas lights are on. What do we look for? Finding the right present to give might be really important. Receiving the right present 
Maybe it's that perfect Christmas pudding recipe where the custard has no lumps. Isn't that delicious? Do you see these circumstances and these moments can have just touches of happiness? Just passing moments of happiness. But with that, there needs to be at times, there will be disappointments. And the problem isn't Christmas, it's our expectations of what the circumstances will do for us. What, what, was the, what were the Magi looking for? Magi. 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 We were discussing this, weren't we, during the week, Colleen? How would we go? I'm sorry. I, <coughs> I'm thinking about two-minute noodles. <laughs> what were the Magi looking for? Well, they're following a star and they came to Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? They were looking for Jesus. They were looking for an opportunity to worship Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be looking for? Not just a Christmas, but this is a great thing to be thinking about this Christmas. Looking to worship Jesus to experience the power that Jesus can have on our life. Pat was talking about this young kid who's given his life to the Lord and the change that is happening. But that is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. That's what God promises us. We can get so let down by presence and experiences. But there is joy when we seek Jesus. We also see that the, the Magi were going to the wrong place and the right place looking for Jesus. They started by looking in the wrong place. They followed this star. They came to Jerusalem, of course. The capital. Where would a king be? It'd be in the royal palace. So they went to where King Herod was. That wasn't right, was it? That was a mistake. King Herod, of course, wanted to, wanted to murder this Jesus. Aren't we tempted at times to look in the wrong places, seeking joy? So easy, so easy to look into circumstances. If only I had this. If only all the family just could be together and not arguing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be what just brings the greatest joy into my life? Well, it's not actually. Because I've said it, I'll say it again, when we look to circumstances for joy, I will get really disappointed. Really disappointed. When we look to Jesus and when we bring our attention to God's word and we bring our focus each day 
to prayer and seeking what God wants us to do that day and how he wants us to live and treat people that day. Oh, there's wonderful joy in that life. No matter what the circumstances will be that day, there's wonderful joy in that life. The Magi were directed to the scriptures, the prophet Micah. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And with that in mind, they they looked again to the star and were directed to the the place where Jesus was. And we know all about the gifts that they brought. They came to the house bearing gifts and they were entirely appropriate gifts that they came with. They gave gold, suitable for a king. But it also points to the presence of God. Gold was, uh, gold was used in the tabernacle when this, this meeting place was, was created in Exodus. The, the Ark of the Covenant was covered in gold inside and out. The, the cherubim that, that sat on top were solid gold, pure gold. There were rings of gold that sat on top. Why was it like this? It, because God is using something he created to be symbolic of his presence with his people. And you know, over many years, humanity, as smart as we are, thought that gold was so significant. Gold was really important. Oh, we're going to make a golden calf. We're going to make another god. And it was always gold that was melted down. They always used gold because like gold was so powerful and important. When it was really God who is impactful and powerful. And we recognise through this gift that Jesus is king. That its symbolism right here is that this is where the very presence of God lies in baby Jesus. God in flesh. They gave frankincense, a gift for a priest. The, the incense that was used in the temple by a priest. Jesus was the, the one. The one and only way to God. Our great high priest. They gave myrrh a fragrant ointment used to anoint a, a body before burial at that time. Don't we recognise in this appropriate gift that Jesus had come to die for the sins of the world? I just finished by asking this question, are you giving appropriately this Christmas? I'm not talking about the the gifts to your spouse or your kids or your family or friends. But much more important than that, what is your gift to God? Firstly, are you in a position where you can claim that you have given your life to Jesus? 
because that's the first and foremost most important thing to give. Are you looking at ways to share the fruit of the Spirit in the way that you live and treat people? And one of those is joy. To show love and care to not just friends and family, but the vulnerable and the social outcasts and the ones that most people would just walk past. Are we willing to forgive those who have hurt us when most people would say, how could you ever talk to them again? Mm. You know, there's happiness this Christmas. I'm sure there'll be happiness. Moments of happiness as we drink food, uh, drink drink food, as we drink uh consume drinks and eat food and hams and whatever we're going to have. An open presence. Moments of happiness. But there's no joy in that. Knowing Jesus as your Saviour and Lord is about joy. Giving control of your life to God to live in his plan and his purposes is, is, is joy. Oh, there's a great joy in that. Living with the hope and the certainty, like some people we know who are nearly there, living with that hope and certainty of what is to come in the presence of our creator for eternity. That is great joy that is great joy no matter the circumstances that is great joy I hope that challenges you and and I trust and pray that that joy is real real for you this Christmas Father we do thank you that you have a plan that you have put in place a wonderful plan for your creation to be made right with you Nothing we can do to earn it, to achieve it, but to simply come and trust and place our faith in Jesus Christ. May the joy of our salvation and the joy of knowing you be ever so real this Christmas, no matter the circumstances. And may that be a light into this world and into our communities and may people be drawn to it to know you as Saviour and Lord. We thank you and we commit this uh, Sunday night to you. Uh, We ask those who have been invited, Lord, that you would just be working away in their mind right now. Maybe those who don't know you, an opportunity to come and be connected and to be blessed and to hear the message of the gospel. Commit it to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.